0: This episode is brought to you in part by Regent College Vancouver, Canada. Experience God's call to a life more abundant with our one-to-two-week summer courses. Sign up today at rgnt.net slash summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible. The CSB blends accuracy and readability, giving pastors a translation they can trust and lay people a Bible they can enjoy. You can find out more at csbible.com. On with the show.
1: The first time I got into theater was when I transitioned from private school.
0: Allison Whitehurst is a New York-based stage actor. Her recent credits include the first national tour of Beautiful, the Carol King musical, the Fortress of Solitude at the Public Theater, that's the same theater where Hamilton was developed, and the world premiere of Born for This, a musical telling the true life story of B.B. Winans.
1: So my parents divorced when I was eight. It drew on for a while, about two years. Oh, wow. And during that time, I was previously at a private school, but money became very tight. Because of legal fees and all of that nastiness, sure. and so I was transitioned into public school, which was wonderful. But you know, I didn't have any friends or anything like that. And I remember my mom urging me. She's like, "I know that you love the choir. I know that you love to sing, but I think it would be really good for you if you took a theater class. Just see if you like it. You have this extra elective." And I said, "Okay, I'll try." And I remember I I came in and I auditioned, and they gave me the lead role in the play, <laughs> and. I, I was like, okay, but you know, guys, I don't know. I don't really know what I'm doing. Like, of course I'll do this. And they were like, yeah, and we think you'll be great. And so it was just like, I was plopped into that and I enjoyed it.
0: Wow. How old were you then?
1: Oh gosh, I guess eighth grade. So
0: 14, 15, something like that. Yeah.
1: 13, 13 or 14. 13 or 14.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you remember what the play was?
1: Oh, It was called Bridal Terrorism. (laughs) 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 And it's uh, basically this... Woman meets a man who is just eating his lunch on a park bench in New York City, and decides, "I'm going to marry you oh, wow. at gunpoint, oh, wow. bridal <laughs> terrorism," and says, "If you don't, all of these things will happen." Yeah, and you know, I'm at the ripe age of 14; yeah. don't really understand any of that. But it was my first splash into theater. Yeah, and then continued into plays and musicals
0: through high school. Private dance and all that kind of stuff was that? All- no,
1: that's I didn't take private dance no, growing kidding. up because oh. at the time I was also taking piano lessons because my dad plays piano and I was also playing on a fast pitch softball team a select team so I was traveling every weekend to different cities in Texas and Oklahoma as a third baseman (laughs) so um, a lot of my time was going into that and I didn't start taking dance until college so I was a late bloomer with all of that so for sure I would market myself as an actress and a singer Mm -hmm. who moves really well
0: Sitting on a hollow limb. He seems to have the whole morning out right in front of him. And everything he sings, from the branch that he's sitting on, it seems to hustle leaves and the colors all around. Now, first he sings, and then he goes. are listening to Cultivated, conversations about faith and work. I'm Mike Cosper, and on today's show, you'll meet Allison Whitehurst. Allison is in many ways the beginning of her career, but we'll talk about how she got where she is, how God used a number of difficult life circumstances to bring her to Him, and how shortly after that, she and her husband took the leap and moved to New York City. Stay with us.
1: Child and, and navigating my parents' breaking up, I had this really strong sense that I belonged to God and that He loved me and that He was going to pull me through. And I remember praying to Him and asking for protection and asking for renewed relationship with my father and just peace between my parents. And I just had this knowledge that He was with me. And so as things changed, it was more like I would see doors open up and I would just step through them and hope for the best. And I feel like so much of my faith, even to this day, is God opens a door, asks me to walk through it. I say, I couldn't possibly, God, you don't know that I don't have what it takes to walk through this door. And he says, just walk through the door and let me show you. And so it's like, my faith is being increased as he builds my testimony rather than me having all of this faith to walk through the first door. So I just stepped into public school and watched him bless me and give me opportunity. And mm. so, yeah, I think that's that's a, a main reason or yeah. how my faith.
0: Is. Did you grow up in a Christian home?
1: Yes, I would say culturally Christian home. Yeah. We would pray so before you were, bed. You were
0: in the church. I and- was...
1: Not in the church a lot growing up because I traveled with my softball team. So I was normally out of town on Sundays. When we were in town, I was at church. But I remember in high school, starting my sophomore year, my mom had just recently lost her job. And I think that was a time that the Lord really called us to turn our faces toward Him again, especially my mother. And we all just really really needed him and that's when we sort of realized that we needed him all along
0: i guess one of the things i'm wondering is so in the midst of your parents divorce you you said you had this clear sense of being drawn to god being comforted by him or seeking comfort from him Mm -hmm. what do you think stirred that up for you
1: so like i said i mean my parents told me about Jesus Christ and about God. And like, I was introduced to him at a young age. They put me, my private school was a Christian school. So I was in Bible classes. I was introduced to if you pray and you ask the Lord for something that he hears you and he cares about you and he loves you. It wasn't until my early twenties that I feel that I truly became a Christian and a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. And so early on, I knew that he of course would hear me. And that was based on the teaching that I got in school and on the example that my mom gave me early on and my grandparents, of course. But then, you know, when I hit my 20s is when I understood that my moralism and trying to follow all the rules and trying to achieve and do what's asked of me is not Christianity. (laughs) That's just trying to be a good person, which you will burn out and die. That is not sustainable, nor is that what Christ calls us to.
0: What woke you up to that?
1: Well, I was trying like I said, to be a good person. And I was looking to the people around me as what are the people around me doing? Okay, there are these things that are asked of me in Scripture, and maybe Scripture is dated. Maybe that was true then, but I don't know if it's necessarily true now. And my friends are doing these things, so why is it a big deal if I do? So uh, one thing that started for me in high school, I decided that I wanted to start going to church and my mom wanted to start going to church, and we were gonna go every Sunday. I'd quit softball, and I was available. One of the main things, I ran into the worship pastor's wife. My mom, as she does, she was like, oh, my daughter's a singer, she loves to sing, and she was like, oh, well, we're down a vocalist in our in our worship team, um, is she interested? And then all of a sudden, I was there at church every single Sunday, which was a pattern that I hadn't really had growing up. I just remember stepping into that and truly not understanding at the time that worship and to be a worship leader and to be on a team is to prepare their hearts for worship and to receive from the holy spirit Mm -hmm. but for me it was just like listen to how great i can sing Mm. and how great you feel because i gave you this gift nobody had taught me what it was. So I was going through these motions, but my heart had not been transformed.
0: I think that's kind of a cultural expectation too. Uh People come to church and they want to be inspired. They want to be encouraged. They're not necessarily thinking about communion with God. Mm -hmm. They're thinking, you know, here we are now, entertain us. Mm -hmm. And so you're rewarded for being a great performer, Mm -hmm. regardless of where you're at spiritually when you're in the throes of it. Exactly. So... Yeah, that makes sense. You'd experience it that way.
1: Yeah, and so I basically came to this point with one of the people at my church started to pursue a romantic relationship with me. And at first, I wasn't really comfortable with it, but it started to make me question, okay, well, if somebody in power, somebody with authority tells me that God thinks or feels or says something, do I take that at face value, or do I need to seek God's face know what scripture says, know who God is, recognize his character, and therefore on my own, be able to decipher and use discernment of what is truly the Lord and what is somebody pawning him off. And so that's when this thing began in me because I had always been somebody that was like, absolutely, you say whatever we need to do, blah, blah, blah. But then it just got into this dicey area where there was a lot of gray, and mm. I needed to know and I needed to hear the voice of God. And so I started turning to Scripture.
0: Yeah, because you couldn't trust someone in authority.
1: Right. Unfortunately, yeah. you, you just can't always. I mean, yeah. we see that every day, right? right? Just because you have a title doesn't mean that you have the— you're not God just because you have mm-hmm. authority here on earth. Like, God mm-hmm. is the final say and the final authority. I was sitting on my college campus, and a man that I didn't know, he was a construction worker, he was covered in paint. I decided to study there for finals instead of my dorm room, which is unlike me. He walked in and he said, hey, can I borrow your cell phone? And I was like, um, uh, sure, okay. And I let him borrow my cell phone and he made a phone call. He was speaking in Spanish to his friend and I didn't understand. And he sat down and he said, hey, so you go to Texas Christian University? And I was like, yeah, this is, yeah, this is the bookstore of Texas Christian University. And he said, so, are you a Christian? And I said, yeah. And he was like, so do you, do you read the Bible? Like, do you read scripture? And I was like, um, yeah. I mean, sometimes sometimes I do. Um, you know, I, I don't, wh- why do you ask? And he was like, if you call yourself a Christian, you have to be in the word because how are you going to know who God is if you don't read his word and hear from him? Otherwise, you're believing in something that's not truly him. And I was like, okay, A, I don't know you. What is happening? <laughs> and I remember he went, over to, because we were in a bookstore, he went and he grabbed a Bible and he came over and he sat next to me and he said, did you know in the book of Proverbs that there's a chapter for every day of the month and that's a great place to start? And I said, okay. He was like, all right, it's um, April 8th. So why don't you read me Proverbs 8? And we started talking about wisdom and the voice of God and who God is. And he just challenged me to get in the word. And this is this person that I had never met before. And so my trajectory started there.
0: Did you ever see him, that guy since?
1: Never. No. I didn't know him. He wasn't a student. He was a grown man. He yeah. was just working construction on... There was construction happening on one of the buildings on site.
0: Yeah, but just had a boldness to... So. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. I, I wonder, just tracking back a little bit, like with all that's been coming out lately with the the like the Me Too thing, the mm-hmm. Church Too thing, mm-hmm. has that stirred stuff up for you in terms of your own experiences?
1: I personally have never been physically abused in any way a lot of what i have experienced has been manipulation Mm -hmm. and so yeah when i hear the stories of these women who have been taken advantage of and authority is abused and no doesn't truly mean no whether or not you're touched whether or not you say hey you know i really don't want this to go any further and i understand that you do but i would really ask you to respect that this boundary not be crossed yeah, it's it's very frustrating, um, but there's hope because I think what is scary and hard is that you don't want to address it and have the backbone in the moment to say, hey, this just needs to stop. Yeah. And I know in my scenario, like I, I wanted it to stop. And then, I mean, he was charming. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe it is okay. But just the use of God as as like his green light was unnerving. But believe me, I was not innocent in it at all. I mean, I really saw the dark underbelly of me in that scenario, because I was dating someone at the time. And when this other gentleman approached me, I was interested enough to cast doubt in my current relationship. And so I called it off with my longtime boyfriend, who was wonderful and said you know i just want to classic i just want to take time get right with the lord like right. whatever the classic
0: christian no, breakup i know it's, and that's the thing it's like
1: i'm thankful for all of this because i'm ready to get through frankly the bs of it all Mm -hmm. all of this well i have to do this because this is the christianese way and it's just like no like what is what is god truly saying like what is his word and how does it apply to life don't just throw out these buzzwords that make it seem like everything's cool no the truth of the matter is you had a boyfriend you were tempted by another person so you broke it off tried to make that work it didn't work Mm. tried to go back to your ex-boyfriend and he said no. And so it's like, I'm left with this girl who has had attention, who has always had what she wanted. And the Lord said, no more, I'm isolating you. And you need to know who I am because it's just like scripture says, I'm going to be tossed to and fro by the waves of the world. Like, I don't know him. He's not my anchor. And so it was from that place that I was like, okay, Lord, like I thought I knew who I was. I was trying to do it right, but I realized that I can't do it right. Clearly, and now I'm this person I don't even recognize anymore. I can't make right out of this. There's nothing but I've messed up and I can't fix it, and people are broken in the wake of it all. And I started trying to find you, but now, now I'm going to find you. And he did. He reached in and he grabbed me. And then, you know, like you can say that there's a correlation or there's not a correlation, but in God's timing, um, I came back. school that was my senior year of college and uh, about four or five months later i met my now husband
0: and parallel to all of this i imagine the kind of vocational journey getting more and more involved in theater and Mm -hmm. and acting and starting your to learn movement
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's,
0: that's all happening parallel to that
1: yeah yeah so I was taking I was taking voice lessons growing up and in college I took private voice with Angela Turner Wilson studied classical voice there because mm-hmm. my upbringing was a lot of um what they would call belting so I did like a lot of country music a lot of soul music gospel music and um yeah so college was acting and then when I Graduated with my Bachelor of Fine Arts in Theater Performance. I had an emphasis in musical theater. I started working in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And it's a thriving theater community there. Mm. I remember there was a, an audition for Grease, the musical. And it was being directed by a man named Joel Farrell, who is a wonderful artist in the Dallas area. And he also works at the Dallas Theater Center, which is sort of the big fish in that pond. Yeah. And I had missed the sign-ups. And my friend, Kanisha Thompson, also a believer who is wonderful. She does great work. She's a film actor. She told me, she said, if you really want to be seen, just show up. You don't need an appointment. And I said, but because I'm the rule follower, I'm like, well, but I don't have an appointment. So I probably shouldn't. She was like, no, show up. They'll see you. If they see you, they'll know you're right for it. Yeah. And I went in and I just asked, hey, I'm here. They made me go second and I booked it. Wow, and I I did Greece at Casa Bignana, which put me. You're in... Sandy. No, actually, no. strangely enough, I know. Thanks so much for thinking I'm a Sandy. <laughs> I was a Marty, Marty Maraschino, like the cherry. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so I I did that, but that gig helped catapult me to New York. Strangely enough, because. Joel Farrell, like I said, was connected at the Dallas Theater Center. Mm-hmm. And I continued to work in theaters in the, in the Dallas area, but really wanted to get into Dallas Theater Center. That was the end all be all. I was terrified to go to New York. I didn't think that that was truly in the cards for me. People told me, hey, that's something that we could really see you doing, but it has to be something you want. Hey, you could go, you could try it. If you hate it, you can leave. And I'm like, right. well, I don't want to do that because that's failing. And they're like, that's not failing. Quit being afraid of failure. Yeah. So I got an audition for the Fortress of Solitude at the Dallas Cedar Center. I auditioned, I went in four different times. I remember the final time I went in, it was a work session with Kim Grigsby who was the music director for The Fortress of Solitude. Daniel Aachen was the director. Michael Friedman, the late Michael Friedman, who's wonderful, was the composer. The book was written by Edamar Moses, who just did the band's visit, um, that won all of the Tonys. And I knew who I didn't know a single one of these people, (laughs) not at all. I was working at a bakery at the time and just wanted to work at the Dallas Cedar Center. And I booked it, and it was a pretty heavy hip hop dance show. And um, I was athletic enough to be able to pick up the movement We did that and I was so happy to be a part of it. I had just gotten engaged and so the show closed and my next thing was to get married. And then about three weeks before my wedding day, I get a phone call from a New York area code and I pick up the phone and it's Jordan Thaler from the Public Theater off Broadway here. And he said, hey, I have good news and I have bad news. Which one do you want first? And I said, "Uh, good news? And he said, "Uh, we are going to do the Fortress of Solitude at the Public in New York City. And the good news is we want you to be a part of it. The bad news is that we can't provide you housing. (laughs) And I was like, okay, uh, let me call you back. (laughs) And so I call my fiance at the time, his name is Gabe. And um, I'm like, hey, I just got this offer. We get married in three weeks. What in the world do we do with this? And he was like, well, it's not like you can say no to that. I was like, all right. That's a good husband. That's a great husband. And that has been his attitude since day one.
0: Before we get back to the episode, I want to take a moment to tell you about our sponsor, the Christian Standard Bible. A big part of Alison Whitehurst's job as an actress is to understand the script. With some playwrights, that can be very difficult. Take the works of Shakespeare, written in old language and loaded with references that are all but forgotten today. As beautiful as Shakespeare's writing is, performing its hard work, And I think Christians experience this sometimes when they sit down to read their Bibles. And that's why I love what the Christian Standard Bible has done, blending pinpoint accuracy with a reading experience that makes engaging with the word pleasurable. Acting is hard, reading your Bible shouldn't be. Learn more about this translation at csbible.com. All right, back to the show.
1: So we uh, got married. We lived in his uncle's home for about three months, we were able to save money, and then we took the plunge into New York City and I started rehearsals immediately.
0: Wow. What year was that?
1: That was twenty fourteen. Okay. hmm August you, of twenty fourteen.
0: You opened that show and
1: opened the show. Wow. Uh-huh. And that's what's so crazy is that I was in the ensemble mm-hmm. and as many young actresses that look like me and have similar vocal range, height there are many, many, many of us. And so when I think back on how amazing it is that me out of anybody, they've took me out of Texas to bring me to New York to do this off Broadway when they could have had their pick of literally anyone. And I'm just so thankful that they gave me that opportunity because it catapulted me into this city and into this life that I'm living now, which is really incredible. So I'm
0: just thinking about the timeline, like you came to this place where you had to take ownership of your faith and then that leads you into your senior year of college, and then that leads you directly into theater. Like, I imagine the theater world's a hard place to be an evangelical Christian. There's probably not a, a whole lot of you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like that was significant in in preparing you to step into that world?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I feel like to be an actress, to be a performer, you are constantly presented with who you should be, and that's regardless of who you are, what you believe. The world is always trying to tell you who you should be. And so there are a variety of different options that people can choose, but like the one to stand on is Christ and that's mm-hmm. the one that's unwavering. And for me, as somebody who wants to please people and I am a perfectionist and I want things to be right and I want them to be right now, I don't wanna process, I don't wanna wait for things to mature. I want to be great and I wanna be great now. And That's just not the way the Lord works. The Lord plants seeds and He nurtures them and He grows them. And that's how things are lasting and not just a flash in the pan. And so I'm so thankful that the Lord opened my eyes to who He is and what He's doing and what He's about. Everything has meaning now. My art has meaning, my work has meaning. All of my interactions with people, all of my day jobs, every phone call I've answered, every flyer I've handed out, I've interacted with people who are image bearers of the Lord. And so everything has significance. And so the waiting that is a must in this line of business, you cannot rush it. Mm -hmm. All you can do is methodically get up in the morning, vocalize, go to an audition and say, I do not have control. (laughs) Every single day you wake up and say, I don't have control. And you go to bed and you say, I don't have control. When you're in a voice lesson and you're trying to navigate this new thing that you're being asked to do and you understand it intellectually but you can't make your body to it you just don't have control and it's just this long process and it would be really agonizing if I wasn't able to see the world through God's eyes
0: yeah what's your self-talk for that because you're (laughs) you're living through that over and over and over again yeah what do you say to yourself because it's surely not like solid as a rock. Well, I, maybe it is. Solid as a rock. I've got this. No My faith is there. <laughs>
1: absolutely not. The majority of the time is, what are you doing here? Everybody's going to find out you're not supposed to be. Right. How in the world? Yeah. So the self-talk is, I mean, really, I got from a book called Everyday Liturgy. Every day you wake up in the morning and before you've brushed your teeth, before you've brushed your hair, you can look yourself in the mirror and say that I am clothed in Christ and beloved by God, period. And that is the place from which you can do and accomplish everything. Because then it's, I mean, I am never going to meet my own expectations. And my expectations, they, they don't truly matter in the grand scheme of things. Like they're a marker that can help me to make sure that I'm not slacking or being lazy or wasting my gifts or my time. Mm-hmm. But ultimately like the Lord is who I answer to. And so to try to give myself grace, but that's something that's very hard for me because I want to achieve and maximize my time. Sure. But at the same time, like I have to trust the process and I have to know that God's timing is the best timing. And when he says no, he's a good father who is guiding me to where I truly need to be, not where somebody thinks I should be, not in the timing that I feel like I should be, but if he's about this bigger thing, about bringing reconciliation and renewal to the world and healing hearts, like I have to make my vision small and let him take care of the big picture. It's very easy for me to walk in anxiety and fear. I, I don't know why this is an issue for me, but at my age, I, I'm not old. <laughs> but i i continually feel my life passing as if the only time for me to live is now and i need to remember that like this is this long game and like what i do here today has eternal value and significance and at the end of my days i'll live forever mm-hmm. with christ so i don't have to be so afraid that i'm not going to achieve all the things i want to achieve but at the same time, I do want to do good things. And that's what I love about Cultivated, It's like these artists are coming on and they're challenging people to not buy into the, well, you know what, you know, the Lord will take care of it all. It's like, we have to have skin in the game. And if we're going to be successful, we need to be the best ones. And I love that and I want to be that, but I also want to do it tomorrow. <laughs> and that's not how it is. Right. So when I get that way, I have to say, ultimately, I need to love the Lord with all my heart, all my soul and all my mind, which already is a really tall order. So thank goodness for Jesus. Secondly, love people. And so in all of the things that I'm doing, even if I don't feel like they are a direct trajectory to whatever goal I have in mind, I have to trust that the Lord has me where I'm going. So in every interaction, I need to love people as myself. I need to meet them where they are I need to listen more than I speak. I need to be an encourager of other people's gifts. I need to make space for them, show them that they have dignity. And I just try to do that wherever I am. And the rest of it, what doors are opened, who I get to sing with, or what opportunities I'm given, from day one, that's all been God because I can't manufacture it. So my job is to think small and to just touch the people I can touch and If it's going to be expanded, that's on the Lord and whatever He deems is best.
0: time where you felt like you've you've like paid a price because of being a Christian in theater room?
1: You know, I've never experienced hostility. I feel like um, many people that I've come in contact with are very understanding. Skeptical, yes, but never hostile. One example that I can say is initially when I moved to the city, I had just gotten married and I didn't want to tour because I didn't want to be away from my husband. The thought of that terrified me. And so I had just signed with this wonderful agency, and they really wanted me to tour. (laughs) And there were many offers for me to audition, and I said, hey, you know, if I really don't think that I would accept the offer, should I even go in? And they were like, no, you shouldn't even go in. So there were a handful of times that I've said, thank you so much, but I won't be seen for that. And many people in our business would say, do you want to do this or do you not want to do this? Because the way to do this is you have to go through these hoops, A plus B, you work regionally then you take a tour and like you can't just assume that you're going to plop on Broadway which Broadway is something that is wonderful and to be honored and not to be gotten, you know, quickly. Sometimes it happens for some and I would never assume that, that would be the case, but I just knew for me at that time I didn't want to do that. So it was sort of stepping out on faith of okay, I value my marriage and I feel like that's what I need to do right now. And so I'm going to say, "Hey, I'm not I'm going to say no to this. But, you know, you you fast forward (laughs) to now. And um, on Monday, I just got home from my first national tour. Hmm. But this was, of course, four years into the city. And um, I just feel like there are often times when you make a decision because you feel like as you've been praying and as you've been asking for wisdom, that it's a choice that you should make. And, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense on paper, Mm -hmm. but you hope that The Lord will, well, you know that the Lord will back you up because it's not questions between is this sin or is it's not, or is it not? It's just in this timing, I'm going to, I'm going to say no to this and hope that something else will come along. And he's been continually faithful.
0: Yeah. What was the tour you just came home from? So
1: I just came home from beautiful, the Carol King musical. Oh, no kidding. Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: That's fantastic.
1: And I, I signed with a, a new agent. He said, hey, so, you know, do you like to tour? I said, no, I don't like to tour. (laughs) And he said, okay. And I said, the only way that I would tour is if it was a six month engagement. And he said, okay, well, that doesn't really happen. Mm -hmm. I say, okay, well, that's what I would consider. And he goes, all right, great. So within a few weeks, I get an offer to audition for beautiful, the Carol King musical and the contract is six months. Mm. So I'm like, okay. And so I do it, I go in on Friday, my final callback is Monday and I have an offer on Wednesday. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'll, I'll go out and I'll do this. And my, my husband was like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And um, so I played the part of Marilyn, who is featured ensemble in mm-hmm. the show and was understudying Cynthia Weil, which was my first understudying experience. And Cynthia is one of the leads. She's one of the counterparts to Carol King. It's been a wild ride. It's yeah. been wonderful. Yeah. Touring has been great. It's this thing I've been terrified forever from, and it's ended up teaching me so much.
0: So you've been in New York for four years now. When you look back, what are some of the highlights?
1: Highlights, okay. Definitely opening The Fortress of Solitude at the Public Theater. Also, I've gotten to work on uh, two workshops of shows. Mm -hmm. I really, really love New York because that's what The Fortress was in Dallas that uh, eventually grew legs. And went to the public. I worked on a show called "Born for This," the BB Winans story. Hmm. If you know BB and CC Wynans, the gospel yeah. duo, yeah. so it's a story of um, their life, essentially, and their time at uh, on the Praise the Lord singers with Tammy Faye Baker and Jim Baker. Oh wow! And uh, right now they are previewing in Boston, but I got on board with the workshop in 2015, and there were all kinds of, like, Oprah came and Cicely Tyson and all these people, and it was just really, really wonderful. And then I got to do two productions, or three, actually, in Atlanta, D.C., and Santa Monica with that show. And then, yeah, just uh, also this other show that's called Trial of the Century, that's a new show. So just working with all of these actors that I respect on material, that's really great. It's a political drama. Yeah, and just, like, living in my apartment with my husband, It's it's been great. Those are... Highlights of of New York living and my church, Apostles, has been wonderful. I've gotten to help on the worship team there, oh, wow. and um, really dip into what it means to be on the worship team and and the honor that that is mm-hmm. to lead.
0: In a way that's coming full circle. Absolutely, for
1: you. Yeah. absolutely it is. It's been 100% redeemed, hmm. and I I love it so much. Like there are so many times where I question, what's my passion really? Is it the local church? on the worship team? Is it (laughs) buying for Broadway? Is it, you know, all I know is that I have these gifts that God's given me and I'm gonna use them in whatever capacity he allows me to do it.
0: First he sings and then he goes. And what it means, it's hard to know. All right, that's our show. Cultivated is a production of Harbor Media and the Narrativo Group. We make podcasts at Narrativo. You can learn more about it at narrativogroup.com. This episode was produced and mixed by me. It was edited by TJ Hester. Our theme song is by Roman Candle, and our music is by Dan Phelps and Roman Candle. Go to our website, cultivatedpodcast.com, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. I write a weekly essay, and we fill the thing with all kinds of links to Cultivated-related stuff. Thanks again to the Christian Standard Bible. Check them out at csbible.com. It's really worth your time. And uh, we're off next week, so we'll see you in two weeks. We've got some great stuff coming. This episode was brought to you in part by the Lord of Spirits podcast.